The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It is uh, seven minutes after eight here on AM Live. Thank you so much for staying with us this morning. If you've just tuned in, thanks for joining us. Now, divorces might seem relatively straightforward, but the financial and emotional consequences can be traumatizing. Some even say it's easier to lose a leg than to get a divorce. And recently, messy and costly divorces of socialites and celebrities have played out in the public. And uh, if you if you just think about it, you know, um, the whole issue of divorce. Nobody gets married with the view of getting divorced I would like to think. And dealing with the breakup of that marriage is hard enough but it can be overwhelming as you try to understand all the legal issues that come up. The decisions that you make during your divorce can of course affect you for a long time so you need to have you know reliable information imparted so that you can make the right decisions. On the forum date this morning we ask how do you avoid a messy divorce and um, obviously not a great topic to talk about but it's the realities of life and we have to talk about it martin for mark director and specialist divorce and family law attorney at martin for mark attorneys thanks so much for coming through this morning Hi, good morning, and thank you for having me. And we also joined on the line by uh, Louisanne Hichu, who is a social worker in private practice at Vita Nova. Thanks for your time as well, Louisanne. Thank you so much for inviting me. Now, you know, Martin, just going to the issue of divorce now, you know, it is a difficult thing to do, but when people get married, it's usually a very festive occasion and there's a riding on the crave, uh, the, uh, the, the wave of this euphoria. And you don't necessarily think of the sort of decisions that you are making at that point and how they are going to impact on you at a later stage, uh, God forbid, where this marriage integrates. That's right. It is really important for people to actually take note of the marital regimes in South Africa and start planning, not with a view of getting a divorce, but to make sure that they actually secure their financial future going forward. So financial future, and what we find very often is that when you've got two young people getting married, nobody really has any assets to speak of. And therefore, it, at least, you know, a while back, the most common thing to do was to get married in community of property. Because you have nothing and you're thinking, well, we'll build it up together and uh, whatever we acquire will be owned by us jointly. Unfortunately, that is the sad reality of, of life. Um, but it seems that people are actually getting more educated before they're getting married. Uh, lots of people are getting married later in their life while they actually, after they, they have started building up their own estates. It is really important to, to educate yourself to read up on the different marital regimes so that you actually understand what it's all about. Your future, you know, you, you can spend years and years building up an estate. And if it's in community of property, that basically means there's one estate. So if you get a divorce, half of that estate will go to your spouse. And that's half of everything. That's right, yes. Well, you know, and, and as you say, you know, people ought to spend more time looking at these various regimes. But um, what would you say? What would be the best way to approach that as well? Because sometimes that can become a very difficult conversation to have with someone. Uh, someone could turn around and say, oh, so uh, you don't want me to share in your wealth or whatever it is that you have. Yeah, I don't think there's an easy answer to that question. 
we, we find that a lot of parents are actually paying for antinatal contracts for their kids and they insist that contracts be drafted. You know, you, you, need to, you need to sit down, have a look at the situation, your finances, financial situation, and decide. You know, if, if the one parent is, if the one person is going to be a parent, stay at home mum, for example, that does not mean that she's not contributing to the household. So if you understand the differences between the marital regimes, there's in community of property, then there's out of community with a crew and without a crew, then at least you can make an informed decision which way you want to go with your marital life. Nobody can say they're going to be married forever. Everybody goes and gets married and they have the intention and by all means they think that this is going to last forever. But the reality is you need to plan. But isn't that the promise that you make? Can't you sue someone for deciding that it's not going to be forever? Because you do say till death do us part. Our divorce law is not fault-based, <laughs> firstly. <laughs> and secondly, nobody, goes, no, nobody wants to get a divorce. You know, and a divorce is not normally just one person's fault. A divorce is something that happens because people don't really work on their marriages. They don't communicate. And at the end of the day, that is what, what needs to happen. People need to communicate better and there will be lesser divorces. And uh, then, of course, there is also, Louisanne, always, uh, not always, but often the issue of children uh, who are born uh, during this marriage. And they usually get caught in the crossfire because, uh, you know, just looking at some of the more high profile cases where there are minor children involved. And it almost seems as though the children become a football in uh, this divorce. Yes, I agree. Um, I think that the moment that children are involved, it becomes a lot more complicated. And it becomes, uh, you know, uh, that, um, it's a lot of more, there's a lot more people involved in the choices that are being made. So it's not just about you and your spouse, but now about you and your spouse and your children. And I think that it is a difficult thing for children to go through, no, no matter what. Um, you know, most children grow up wanting their parents to stay together and has this picture in their head of what it should be like. But unfortunately, reality is not always that way. And we can according to me, make certain uh, choices that will make it easier for the children, but the children will be affected by it, most definitely. What are those choices that could make it easier for the children? I think, you know, talking from a therapeutic point of view, um, I just want to get back to preparing for marriage. Uh, the first thing that, that I think a couple should do is to go for premarital counselling. And that can already settle some of the problems that they might be experiencing because they will learn how to communicate, they will learn you know, their partner to get to know themselves better and then maybe they can stop certain patterns going into their marriage even before they get married. So I'm quite a, a big motivator of prevention rather than crisis intervention, if I have to put it that way. But other than that, I really think that parents firstly should make sure that divorce is the right choice for them because they shouldn't, you know, tell the children they're getting divorced and then two weeks later know that we're staying together and then again we're getting divorced because that will really confuse them a lot. Um, I also think that uh, parents should not make children part of their conflicts and emotions. Uh, children feel very responsible for their parents, and sometimes they feel that it's their fault. So it's very important to kind of keep your children away from the conflict and the, and the emotions. And also, then, it, 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 you know, it all makes perfect sense, but it's, uh, you know, often... Easier to, uh, d easier to say than to actually do. Mm. It's, 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 it's very difficult in practice because uh, very often people feel victimized, they feel aggrieved mm. at what is going on. 
Mm, definitely. I think the biggest thing is that the, the, the couple will get very angry with each other. And because divorce is so painful for, for everybody involved, everybody reacts, I think, out of a traumatic point of view. So most parents also, you know, they're also grieving, they're also pain, they're also angry. But we also need to make sure that the children have the right to have a good relationship with both their parents. Um, I sometimes feel like, you know, just because the, the marriage didn't work out doesn't mean that they were not good parents. Mm. And the children need to understand that, you know, it's still my parents, even if they choose not to be with each other anymore. And the moment that we almost belittle one of the one of one of the parents, then the children might again be angry with the other parents and that might greatly affect their relationship and this can also lead to parental alienation, which is ultimately what we want to avoid. Speaking of parental alienation, and um, especially in instances where there are grown-up children, uh, children who may be in their teens or so, when you're looking at instances where there's spousal abuse, where there's affairs taking place, and you, you have this alienation taking place, and inevitably the one partner will blame the other for influencing the children when it could very well be the children making those decisions by themselves. Yeah. I think the older children get, the more they understand the divorce process. And this also then leaves uh, you know, them vulnerable to taking sides. Because now if one of the parents did do something wrong or was unfaithful or there was abuse, then the children will, will make up their own minds about it. But you know, we do get situations where the children feel guilty to have a relationship with the other parent because the, the parent being victimized um, feels so lost and feels so sad. So ultimately, we, we, we kind of want the children to know that just because I wasn't a good mom, oh, I wasn't a good husband or a good wife, I was still a good father or a good mom. Mm. And this can be more difficult, you know, the older your children get, it can be more difficult. I want to go back to a point you made, and I, I want to ask Martin to weigh in on this. You said, okay. you know, uh, making the decision to get divorced, that, that that's a yes. very pivotal point, Martin. I think it takes many years for many people to actually make the decision. And it's definitely something that, that needs careful consideration. But for me, in my practice, I find that people need to answer the question, have they been unhappy for a very long period of time? Have they made an effort to make the marriage work? And if they find they are unhappy and they can't make the marriage work, don't stay on for the sake of their children. It's actually bad for the kids if mom and dad can't, can't say anything nice to each other and they live in that circumstances. Uh, people are going to say, you see, you're a lawyer. Uh, you make a living out of these things. And, and, and they, the people want to say people should stay together regardless, no matter what is going on. You know, um, people should try to avoid divorce by all means. Unfortunately, in cases, for example, if there's, there's abuse taking place, I will never advise a, a client of mine to stay married if there's abuse taking place. And it doesn't necessarily have to be physical abuse. It can be emotional abuse. I have a lot of instances where clients of mine come and see me. They have absolutely no self-confidence. They've been subjected to abuse, verbal abuse, over so many years where they are told how dumb they are, how inadequate they are. And for people like that, to stay in a marriage relationship is, is soul-destroying. Mm. Uh, you know, I saw something. It, uh, it was called the Divorce Planner and Organizer. And I must say I was a bit horrified by it. But, you know, after thinking through it for a while, um, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, that when you do get to that point where you've made the decision to get a divorce, um, th th there is a process that needs to unfold. 
It involves hard work. You know, at the end of the day, you, you're fighting for your financial future. You fight for your kids. So you need to make sure that you're actually doing everything and planning as much as you can to ensure that you get on the other end successfully. You know, whether it's from a financial point of view, if you, for example, if, if you're a stay-at-home mum and you haven't been working for 10 years, it's very, very difficult to then decide to get a divorce because you have absolutely no financial security. How do you live? How do you actually progress after this divorce? And this is where it gets really, really ugly because uh, then someone decides to withhold certain things. Someone decides to be difficult. Um, someone decides to prolong a process that could have otherwise gone uh, rather quickly. And uh, so it becomes acrimonious and it becomes ugly. And that's why we're asking this morning, how can you avoid a messy divorce. And uh, you are most welcome to join in the conversation this morning. 891 is the number to dial. You can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or you can uh, send us, uh, at, uh, rather send us an SMS to 34701. We're speaking to Martin Fermark, who is Director and Specialist Divorce and Family Law Attorney at Fermark Attorneys and also Louisanne Yucho, who is Social Worker at in Private Practice at Vita Nova. What is your experience being? And this is obviously always a very emotional time. And um, you're dealing with all your emotions. You're trying to start over. And there are just so many considerations that need to be made. But we have a team here today. And perhaps we can help you uh, avoid that acrimonious, ugly divorce this morning. The lines are open 0891-104-208. I want to go to the SMS line, though. Uh, quite a few questions coming through there. And one does understand when it comes to sensitive matters like these, sometimes people prefer to remain anonymous. Here's a question. It says, good morning. Can you use the marriage period as an excuse not to have assets equally divided if married in community of property? Under certain circumstances, a spouse can ask for forfeiture if they married in community of property. That basically means if one party, for example, is contributing way more than the other party or the one party is not contributing at all, then you can ask for forfeiture. Now, it's very difficult to get forfeiture in our law, but it's not impossible. So you can ask for that? You can ask for that. All right. Hope that answers your question there. Uh, George also writes to us. George asks, if one is married out of community without accrual and gets divorced, do I have to share my estate and pension with my partner? No. The, when you're married, excluding the accrual, it means you have one estate and there's no legal duty to, to hand any of that estate over to the other party. There might still be a claim for spousal maintenance. Mm. And, and, and what's the situation if you're married in community of property, then your spouse does um, have a claim to your um, pension fund? Yeah, when, when you're married in community of property, there's only one estate. So you will include, if both parties have a retirement annuity or a pension fund, that forms part of one kitty. Mm. And that must be divided equally between the parties. So what happens in the event that, okay, uh, you are granted the divorce and your spouse actually um, now is entitled to half of your pension fund and they take that? Who pays the tax on that? There's two issues here. The Mm -hmm. first is you can transfer the pension fund that's going to the spouse to the other spouse's pension fund. Then there's no tax implications. 
if that spouse decide to take the money, that spouse will pay the tax on that. Okay. And uh, uh, Joe in Peter Maritzburg says it can become very bitter and messy. I'm twice divorced and I know it. And um, uh, there's another one here that says, I'm happily married for 18 years in community of property, but I have a desire to change my contract to uh, NCOP for business reason. What's the easiest way to do this? This is uh, from Diego from the South. You have to bring a court application. It's a high court application. Um, in this application, you have to notify all your creditors in writing. You have to place an advertisement in the newspapers and a court will then or a judge will then make an order if there's not going to be any prejudice to your creditors. Mm. And then the, the looking at a few comments coming through, Francis Idris says war is always messy. Divorce is war. Both parties use every weapon at their disposal and children always suffer regardless of their age. Uh, Jazz Fundi says messy divorce can only be avoided if both parties can reach a settlement at an early stage if they are married in community of property. The native thinker says, I think people must understand that being married, um, a COP, and uh, OCP is better, um, especially if you are marrying young. But but then again, as you say, you are seeing this more and more now. But previously, these are not the sort of discussions that we used to have at length, you know, making ourselves conversant with the different regimes. That's right. It's, it's, it's a more recent change that people are actually becoming more aware of the different marital regimes and understanding their rights and obligations in terms of these different regimes. And um, I see Andile says, I will pass today's topic as a newlywed. I don't want to add the word divorce to my vocab. And of course, uh, that's exactly what you should be doing. But of course, uh, we are taking your messages. We are taking your calls as well. We are speaking to uh, Martin Fermark, who is an attorney, and also Louisanne Hijo, who is a social worker. We're talking about divorce and how to avoid acrimonious, messy divorces today. Kulu SD says the best way to avert an acrimonious divorce is to take the high road, particularly when there are children involved because they are paramount. But the reality, in reality, Kulu, that's not how things play out. It's a highly, highly charged situation. And emotions are all over the show. Uh, but, 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 you know... Louisanne, if you could advise couples who are who have gotten to that point where they have decided to get a divorce, how do you actually take the children out of the firing line? Well, um, what I usually prefer to do is, because the, the court processes might not be as child-friendly, is to rather go through the mediation process. Now, that is where they meet up with a specific social worker or a person that specialized in mediation. That means that they will then together set up a parenting plan that specifies what needs to happen to the children. And this um, parenting plan can be reviewed yearly, but it can also be set up by the family advocate, where they then put in things like the, the care and contact, um, the holidays, you know, all the specifics that come to the children. And I just think it's, it's, it's a little bit less traumatic to do it through, through mediation than it might be to do it through, through the fighting process. And uh, then also there are counsellors like us who then talk to the children and what relationship with the children to hear their voice and, and their part. And I think that sometimes we need to understand that children also have a voice. Even if they're young, they also have certain um, issues and traumas and feelings about what's going on. And it's good to, to, to get your child that kind of guidance or help that they might need. Um, because I think during the process, you are also traumatically and emotionally overwhelmed. And 
sometimes it's better to, to get help before it becomes a huge problem. Mm. And then and just looking at the grounds for divorce, Martin, can someone, for example, go and get a divorce on the grounds that they are not happy? Um, you know, where someone says, for example, something like there's a lack of respect in this marriage and therefore I want a divorce. You have to prove irreconcilable differences. But the reality is if one party wants a divorce, they will get a divorce. So the plaintiff, if you, if you initiate divorce proceedings, you are known as the plaintiff. Mm. And you will normally list several reasons why the marriage relationship has broken up irretrievably, according to you. And it very often entails a lack of respect, a lack of communication and things like that. Quite often, it's not as serious as people would think. But lack of communication, if you go home every night and your partner or your spouse does not talk to you. You, mm. you, there's no communication. That is a real reason why people get divorced. But uh, obviously you can contest that, can't you? You can contest a divorce, but a judge will always make an order that a divorce order be granted if you can prove irreconcilable differences. Like I said, that's one of the reasons. Mm. Irreconcilable differences. And, um, you know, always wondered what that actually means. How far do you have to go to prove that it is irreconcilable? In general, the court's basically let, let the divorce go through if one party wants the divorce and the other party does not contest. It's basically a default judgment that gets granted. If the matter gets defended, the other party will normally file a counterclaim and they will give a longer list of reasons why the marriage relationship has broken down irretrievably. Mm. So well, what's the shortest period uh, from uh, filing to actually being granted a divorce decree? If the divorce is uncontested... It can be four to six weeks and you can be divorced. That quick? That's right, yeah. Ooh, and if it is contested, there's no telling how long it could take. It can take. take a few years, three, four years. Right, and then and we're not talking about specifics uh, in terms of what uh, the high-profile marriages have been about because a huge, uh, I mean, exorbitant amounts of money that people are asking for in divorce settlements. And uh, obviously they ask for these uh, sums because they feel they are entitled to them. But very often we find there will be one spouse who feel that they are catching the short end of the stick. And very often it is the one partner who decides to be homemaker, stays at home, raises the kids, make sure that uh, the other partner's life is cushy and, uh, you know, they are able to go out and bring home the bacon, as it were, and suddenly someone decides, you know what, actually, I don't like the look of you anymore. And what happens then? So people get bitter, people file for divorce, people fight, they fight ugly. This is what happens during a divorce. You know, it, it is very seldom a pleasant affair. How can you avoid a messy divorce? And we're speaking to attorney Martin Fermark and Louisanne Hijo, who is a social worker. And we're taking your calls, 0891-104-208. Share with us, you know, your views. And of course, it's not just for people who are going through a divorce. Sometimes you need to get into these issues even before you get married to make sure that you try and smooth that path as far as you possibly can. Let's speak to Uskumbuzo Mpangeni Obizo. Skumbuzo? Yes, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? I'm fine. Sakina, I'm finding myself in a position where I'm about to get married. And just a few of uh, table talk uh, information. I'm 31 and my fiancé is 25. And in our status, it happens to be that 
I'm the one with, with most of the assets and including property, and she's basically like the the the, the housewife, although she's not my wife at the moment. But uh, she isn't working now. My question is. In order to protect myself and us from creditors, uh, how do I go about uh, getting into the right marriage regime whereby it seems as though I'm, I'm currently the only breadwinner for, for the family and should I engage in businesses where I take on debt? I don't want them to, you know, come and sweep off, off our positions and, you know, leave us stranded with no assets to make, to, to build up. So my main concern is... Um, which regime can I get into which is the best that will protect us from creditors? And most importantly, since I'm uh, so far the, the, the breadwinner between the two, the two of us. Skumbuza, don't go away just yet. Martin? Thank you. You, you obviously need to consider your personal circumstances. Um, in community of property is obviously not a very good system to get married in if, if you plan to have businesses. So the question that you and your spouse-to-be must ask yourself is, do you want to include the crew or exclude the crew? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, you're happy with that, Skumbuzo? Yeah. Well, I was thinking that, um, okay, how do I then get an attorney who can uh, first draft for me the contract and who authorizes it and before one goes to, say, the altar and home affairs and register everything, who authorizes the you, you need to go to an attorney that deals with family law in the area where you're staying. And it is normally a notary that will draft a contract for you and it will be registered with the deeds office. It's important that you sign, you and, and your fiancé sign this agreement before you get married. Okay, and tell me in Mpangeni, do you know where about I could find one? I suggest you Google it. <laughs> Okay, well, um, would would you leave your details? Maybe we can take this on sure. from you and maybe you we'll, can we'll, help we'll me. give Martin's details at the end of the show. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Skumbuzo. Let's go to um, Matsilane in Grasmere. Good morning. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? Well, and you? Okay, ma'am, I filed for divorce sometime last year. So the only problem I have with my husband is that we're fighting over the assets. So he doesn't want to let go of the house. Yes, that's the, the main problem. Now he's changing lawyers. He are supposed to go to court sometime in March. But yesterday my lawyer called me, called me and told me that, uh, that his lawyer dumped him yesterday because they couldn't agree over the, the issue of the house. I, so I want to know how, how can I go about winning the house? Because, yes, he was paying for the bond. But I did all the renovations. I, I, I gave my lawyer the proof that I was the one. I am the one who bought the the whole furniture and uh, the renovations. Yesterday, uh, last year, he, he used some of his money to 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 to, to, to build the, the other side of the house. But I did all the renovations. So the the issue now is the house. He doesn't want to let go of the house. Okay, uh, Matsalani, I'm going to give you over to Martin. But before I do, do you have children? Yes, we have two children. And there's no problem with the children and how you are going to co-parent? No, no. He's paying for the kids. Uh, I'm also on his medical aid because the case is not yet finalized. So we are having two kids. He's giving, he's giving me 1200 
uh, for both of them, that is 600 each child for maintenance. But you have not been to, to maintenance court yet. That is what, the amount that he's just given me. Okay. Uh, let's get Martin to weigh in on this. Okay, you... let me make another point clear. I moved out of the house last year after he beat me. He said not here. Oh, so is he living in the house at the moment? Yes, I, I moved out. I was afraid of him. I moved out. The blunder that I made, I didn't open a case for him, though he beat me. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get Martin and Louisanne to respond, but don't go away. Stay on the line. Martin? How are you married? In community of property or out of community? Yes, yes. In community of property. In community actually makes it much easier. There's only one estate. So if you and your husband can't agree on who's going to keep the house, a liquidator yes. can, be, can be appointed and he will basically dispose of the property and share the net value between the two of you. Okay, so who's going to pay for the liquidator? You said the case is going to court in March. Um, you must obviously discuss this with, with your attorney that's handling your matter. But if you and your husband can't agree on who's going to keep the house, then you can ask that the liquidator be appointed. And then you go to court and the court will make an order to say that the liquidator of certain powers be appointed. And he will then dispose of the property and divide the net, net profit between the two of you. So what if I want to buy him out? You can buy him out if he's willing to accept the offer. Mm. Yeah, he that, obviously needs to be willing. Yeah, you can't. You can't. If, yes, you know, but if he, he refuses, does, he doesn't want to, and he doesn't even want to buy me out. He doesn't want to let go. Does of he have the a house. choice in the end, Martin? No. At the end of the day, the case will go to court on trial, in all likelihood, if they can't agree to it. And the easiest way to to make an order for the magistrate or the judge will be to appoint a liquidator that can actually set, go through the values between the couple and then divide the assets. Okay, I hope because every time we have to go to court, he changes the attorney. Every time we go to court, he changes the attorney. Yesterday, my attorney called me and told me that, no, you know, your husband, uh, his attorney dumped him because they couldn't agree on some issues. So we have to wait uh, for, for the new attorney. That is possibly trying to frustrate uh, Matselani. Yes, yes, it's frustrating really. It, it happens all the time, but your attorney should be able to assist you with that. Obviously, there's, there's court rules and procedures that needs to be followed. And if you have a trial date in March, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done before trial normally. And I'm sure your attorney is, is doing that. So if the case is ready for trial, even if he fires his attorney, there's a good likelihood that the case will proceed when it's due. Okay. So, okay. Thank you, sir. I'll have to check with my attorney again tomorrow because we're having a date in March. And mm-hmm. we have been given this date last year in, I think it was August or early September, the March date. Sure. Okay, mm-hmm. Matsunane, I'm also just going to ask um, uh, Louisanne about the issue of abuse because um, she indicates that she was actually beaten with a, a knobkiri. And um, obviously, you know, sometimes uh, people who do suffer abuse in these sort of situations, feel that they ought to receive some form of compensation, you know, for the fact that they were abused? Um, I think that, that any abuse abuse case is, is very hard for the people to go through. And like Martin said, that abuse is not always on a physical level. It usually starts on an emotional and verbal level. So at the end, when the spouse do decide to leave, 
so much has already happened that they almost feel they need to be compensated for all the pain that they suffered. And this pain can be either emotional or physical or both. And then they feel that they want some compensation to help them to deal with the trauma. And also they feel they are entitled to it. So I absolutely agree. Mm. Um, let me just, uh, before I read some of the messages here, we'll, we'll just run through those very quickly. Let's go to Situmo in Fandabel Park. Good morning. Morning, Sakin. How are you? Well, and you? Just two quick points. The first one, I think to avoid ugly divorces, it's more advisable for spouses to get married out of commercial property with an accrual. Because what in, in that kind of a marriage, the uh, spouses only share what they've acquired only during the course of the marriage. Because in most cases, people fight because they are angry that I also have to share what I acquired before I got married to my wife. So that's what normally makes the divorce very ugly. Okay. And then last, and mm-hmm. then lastly, on the last point, what normally makes very ugly when you come to the divorces, like Martin said, when you go to court as an attorney, you find out that we are client is there at court with the new boyfriend or the new girlfriend who doesn't understand where these people come from. And then he, he's got the influence on the spot as, as to how they need to share their property. And that affects the divorce, and then it ends up being an ugly one. All right. Thank you so much, Sutumo, for your insights there. Uh, John and Howie, good morning. Good morning to you. Um, I am not getting divorced, mercifully, but I do have a question about the division of assets in community of property. Now, I understand everything is split uh, equally, but what if one of the parties has, let's say, been involved in a serious accident and badly injured, and as a consequence of that, he he or she is awarded, let's say, a million rand in general damages for pain and suffering, plus uh, medical expenses and future medicals and loss of earnings, etc. Now, would that money also be split equally in a COP divorce, or would that money be separated and, and left to compensate the injured party? Wow, John, that's a very interesting question. Thank you so much. Uh, Martin will answer. Please listen on the radio. Martin? Thank you. Yeah, definitely a very interesting question. Um, I think if it's in community of property, there's only one estate, so it will form part of the actual estate. Uh, when you sign an antinatural contract for out of community, you can spe- spe- stuff like that is specifically excluded in most cases. But if it's in community of property, I think it will form part of that estate. But you can obviously, uh, you know, um, make amendments to your agreement after the fact. If you married in community of property, there is no agreement in place. It's it, there's no agreement signed whatsoever. It's only if there is an antinatural contract. Oh, where, okay. where things can be excluded. I see. So in community of property, that's it. No way out. You can't come and say, okay, let's amend this, that or the other. It is what it is. Like I stated earlier, if you're married in community of property, you may approach the court mm. to, to, to basically get permission from the court to enter into an antinatural contract where you can exclude certain things. Right. And, and obviously both of you would have to agree on that. That's right.
Well, uh, answering those questions on how to avoid a messy divorce, as far as possible at least. And uh, speaking to uh, Martin Fermark, who is an attorney, director and specialist divorce and a family law attorney at uh, Martin Fermark Attorneys and social worker in private practice at Vitanova, Louisanne Hichu. Now, uh, let's just run through some of the SMSs coming through. Uh, Tsepo in Joburg says, uh, Sakina, marriage in community of property is quite outdated it's irrational and is a field day for covert and overt gold diggers and uh, this one says i got married uh, in october last year and i'm uh, filing for divorce now in february the wife is unemployed and i'm working she has more furniture than me and i have a protection order against her for dv what's dv domestic um, violence domestic violence um mcop she wants a share of my assets is that possible? He says um, they married MCOP and she wants a share of his assets. Is it possible? If you married in community of property, she will be entitled in all likelihood to a half of the estate. Like I said, under certain circumstances, mm. you may claim forfeiture, but that's an exceptional case. So otherwise, she will be entitled. All right. And, and uh, so sorry for that. I mean, got married in October in February, you're filing for divorce. Uh, really quite sad. Uh, Kumbuzo says, I'm about to marry and I need your guest to advise. Please give the phone number. Uh, Skumbuzo will uh, leave the number. Uh, we'll give the number at the end of the show. This one from uh, Zizigazi in Eastern Cape says, the wealth accumulated singularly before marriage, uh, does it count in the sharing of assets in a marriage? It depends, again, on the marital regime. You can exclude it if you decide to, to get married in terms of an antinuptial contract. You can exclude all your assets. Or you can, if you're married with the accrual system, you can exclude certain assets or a, a business, for example, and any profits from that business in the future. Lindy Ware says, what does an ANC contract with accrual mean? Do we share what we have built together if we divorce? When you're married with the accrual system, you basically look at both parties' assets and liabilities. And say, for example, the one party's estate is worth a million rands and the other one's estate is worth zero. Then half of that will be paid to the spouse with lesser money. So 500,000. That's, that's the norm. Mm. Um, uh, David Ntunzi in Mabatu says, uh, say, for example, uh, the spouse is a good-for-nothing freeloader while married in community of property and never contributed a cent in the relationship. When divorcing, do they qualify for half of everything? Under certain circumstances, you can ask for forfeiture. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, the, the courts don't only look at financial contributions. They also look at the other contributions. You know, for example, if it's a stay-at-home mum, she's looking after the children, she's cooking supper, she's cooking breakfast, taking the kids to school. So the courts look at all those surrounding circumstances. Mm. Um, and then a few uh, comments here. Peter Litswalo in Cape Town says, divorce costs more than one is willing to pay and the pain lasts extremely longer than anticipated. Uh, another one unsigned says, I left my wife because of years of abuse, uh, physical and verbal, both me and my son. And last year he hung himself at the age of 23.
And uh, Viz also writes to us saying that marriage is two selfish people living under one roof. The less selfish both intend to be, the further away they move from the possibility of divorce. And then another unsigned one. What do I do if my money is taken from my bank account through a court order and I was divorced and the house taken in my absentia, I didn't get her pension? What do I do? You must go back to the court and have a look at the order that was granted. If it's specified that you're entitled to, to half of the pension and the pension hasn't been paid out, then you need to approach the pension fund involved. Mm. And then, as I was saying, you know, sometimes as one of the parties, especially when there's infidelity involved, uh, usually feels very aggrieved at what is going on. And, and, and I suspect this is the case here with David SMS, uh, David's SMS. David says, in the case uh, the pension fund is divided between the two divorcing partners, is it possible to force the irresponsible spouse to commit their pension payout to a trust aimed for the children? Our divorce law is not fault-based. The court will look at all the surrounding factors. If one party is entitled to that money, the court will in all likelihood say the money must go directly to that person. Now, this whole business of the divorce law not being fault-based, especially in the case of infidelity, can you not sue a third party? Can't you sue anybody for dumping you into the situation that you find yourself in? You didn't want to divorce. You upheld your end of the bargain and someone decided to stray, bringing a third party into the mix. And now you find yourself at divorce's door. Until last year, you could sue a third party, but there was, there was a, a judgment late last year. And the judges basically found that you can't sue the third party anymore. Like I said earlier, a divorce is normally not just from one side. Both parties contribute, and there, is, there may be various reasons, lack of communication uh, is but one of them. Mm. But you can't sue the third party any longer now. And uh, just going back to what um, Matsilani was saying, in the instance where you know there is this big fight over property, the house in this case, um, and just maybe trying to draw a parallel between that and what David is saying. Is it not possible to ask for the property to then be committed to a trust for the children as opposed to being shared between the spouses? At the end of the day, if a person is entitled say, to, to, to a pension payout, for example, that the, the court is not going to make an order to say that that money must be used in the trust because a trust is an independent legal entity. So it's different from a person. But the parties can agree, and that agreement can be made in order of court. Mm. It just seems as though the poor children are on the receiving end all the time. Uh, Luvuyo says, I see uh, the focus is only on ANC marriage, and I would like to know about maintaining someone until remarriage. Now, what's that about? Why do you have to maintain someone if you're no longer married to them? The courts will look at all the surrounding factors um, if they have to decide whether somebody should receive spousal maintenance. Now, you can only claim spousal maintenance until the date of divorce. So if you're getting divorced today, you can't go back to court tomorrow and say, I need spousal maintenance. When the courts need to make a decision pertaining to spousal maintenance, they will look at various circumstances. They will look at your professional qualifications. They will look at your work experience. They will look at the duration of the marriage. Uh, your income generating ability, and obviously how much money you're getting after the divorce. Mm. So the court will look at all these various factors to, to make a decision whether or not spousal maintenance should be payable. Now, 
if the parties have been married for 20 years, for example, and the wife was a stay-at-home mum, the court will in all likelihood grant spousal maintenance to her because she hasn't worked for so many years. It's unlikely that she's going to be able to find her work and live in the same standard of living. But what would be the maximum period for that maintenance? It is normally until date of remarriage or death. That, wow. That's obviously long-term factors. If she doesn't remarry, you could maintain her for life? That's right. And wow. there's quite often uh, annual increases. So, yeah, we deal with lots of those matters post-divorce. Whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Um, this one from Zake Zake says, by choosing the right partner, no amount of contracts will protect you if you don't choose the right partner. KGM says, like a good or bad marriage, a good or bad divorce is a direct result of both parties. Um, this can't be done by an individual. And Guanele says, uh, if your parents got divorced, can you claim your authority as a child, like any assets from them, uh, like a vehicle, cattle, etc.? No, you can't. At the end of the day, you're not a party to the marriage. Obviously, depending on uh, the, the, the child maintenance, quite, quite often agreements are signed to say until the child becomes self-supporting or a major so obviously, once you become a major, you, you might have a claim for, for children's maintenance. Mm. But that's something that will have to be evaluated. I don't know. I don't like the law very much this morning. Uh, Louisanne, what's your parting shot, uh, you know, on how people can actually avoid a messy divorce? Um, a couple of hints that I would just like to, like to share with you. I already spoke about, um, you know, making sure that the divorce is the right choice for you and that it is a good that you want to go through with it. I also think that um, because children like stability and predictability, they need to be prepared for the upcoming changes. You need to prepare them for it. You can't just wake them up the next morning and say, you know what, we're going to move today because that will completely uproot them. So try and prepare them as much as you possibly can. And then also, you know, when, when you move or when they have to move, get things back to normal as soon as you can. Now, by normal, I mean get back to certain routines and bedtimes and eating times so that their lives become predictable for them again. Because the divorce makes them feel completely out of control, that it's, it's good for them to have a sense of control back. I also think that, mm-hmm. you know, be reasonable when it comes to, to, to care and contact with your children. And um, if you struggle, I've said, to come to a decision, then try to go for mediation. And then obviously also look at your child's emotions, observe their behavior, and then seek help or support if you're not sure if they're having a, good, or if they're having a difficult time. Also remember that the divorce wasn't your child's choice. So they might experience a lack of trust in both of you or the both the parents, and it's, it's kind of your job to repair that trust because mm. they, they feel a complete loss of what they knew. And um, Martin, just your contact details where people can get in touch with you. Thank you. We have an office in Santon and Pretoria, and people can visit our website, www.divorceattorneys.co.za. We have lots of informative articles on the website. And thank you so much to our guest this morning, Martin for Mark, Louisanne Hugo. And thanks for participating as uh, enthusiastically as you always do. And we'll be back with you tomorrow coming from uh, the mother city. We'll be in Cape Town tomorrow, Minister Ntlantlanene's uh, budget speech. But right now, though, we need to go to news with Vibakshni Chetty Miller.